Is that Glock? Well, I'm tripping major nutsack right now. Oh, send it! Welcome to the world of winning. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Switchback Formula One podcast. My name is Graham, and joining me, as always, rumour has it he signed a multi-year extension with this podcast. He's uh, he's secure for a few more years, but we don't know if there's any performance clauses in this uh, in this contract. We'll have to wait and see. It's, uh, it's Luke Holmes. I hope there's some fucking bonuses in it, Graham, because I'm going to need to do something to keep me around. I didn't say bonuses. I said performance clause. <laughs> yeah, well, you think I, I, got I bonuses? put bonuses in. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you've got bonuses somewhere wrapped up, I'm sure. Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> that's a different question, isn't it? <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, knowing you, different kettle of fish. Though, but... uh, what's what's going on on this Sweet January? nothing. Absolutely nothing. This late January weekend. It's, well, I mean, I say that, like, I say that as if it's a bad thing, but it was quite a busy weekend, as it turned out in the end, in the world of motorsports. We had... Lots of F1. We had some contracts. We had some track announcements. We've had the the we had doubleheader Formula E. We had the the Daytona Twenty Four. It was quite an eventful week. For us, yeah, it's I was surprised how much there actually was. A lot of things cropped up that we weren't expecting as well. So mm. sort of has given us content we weren't when we weren't expecting it to be fair yeah a few things we kind of did expect and we've kind of touched on yeah. we'll, we'll get to the Leclerc uh, official extension and we'll get through uh, the contract rather and get through to the uh, the Madrid side of things stuff that we've kind of we've known has been coming for a little while but I have to say what kind of blew most people out of the water very random I think it was a Friday I think it was a Friday afternoon evening uh, where yeah, something like that. I, where we got the kind of very surprised announcement that Lando Norris had signed a multi-year extension with McLaren that takes him beyond 2025. Uh, over the last year or so, a, a, a very familiar topic on this podcast is the long-term future of Lando Norris and what's in play after 25 and if he could even go before that and where the land lies after. But with, all, with this, it very much stamps that uh, kind of out of the immediate, certainly. We've got to look at this in a very different way now, but we can kind of look at that in a sec. Let's just go through some of the uh, some of the quotes that have been said uh, surrounding this new deal. Uh, the years have not been specified; they just say multi-year. We can get on to maybe why that is the case in a sec. But uh, this is what Norris had to say about it. He said, "I've grown up." Uh, I don't even racefans.net uh, from Will Wood, who wrote this article, but. Uh, Norris said, I've grown up with McLaren and feel at home here. The team are like family to me. The journey so far has been exciting. We've had ups and downs. But last season showed our desire to get back to competing at the front of the, f- of the grid. Uh, Andrea Stella said that Norris and McLaren have a, quote, shared ambition to ultimately win championships again in the future. Uh, Lando has grown as a driver and as a person initially uh, joining McLaren in 2017. He impressed last season, playing an important role in our progress throughout the year, uh, securing seven podiums and with many fantastic drives. Yeah, like I mean, that's a water is wet kind of kind of statement. But you get the sense that loyalty was very much at the fore of Norris's decision to stay at McLaren. I guess with a slight view as well of the rejuvenation that we saw uh, across the second half of last season. Yeah, he's putting a lot of faith in that team. I'll say that for the for the most part, it's, 
I, I'm still taken back by this, to be honest. I am surprised. Like, I'm I can see surprised. why he's done it, but I'm also like, surely you would wait at least for the first few races anyway, just to see, just to double down on it. And then you'd be like, all right, fair enough. They've obviously done the biggest turnaround in F1 history last season with the car, mm-hmm. um, which would put good faith in. Got the right people in. With Rob Marshall and David Sanchez, yeah, who are for this season, the benefits of which they're going to feel now going forward, they haven't had that up to this point. Yeah, they've got the new wind tunnel online. Mm-hmm. They've got a great driver lineup now. Obviously, one where Lando isn't carrying the team on his own and doesn't have the pressure of it. He is the star boy, so I get why all things have pointed to him signing the new deal. I just don't get why now. It's just a very strange time frame to do it in when you basically put a put yourself in the short window for any big team next next season pretty much because you've basically got ferrari holding off their driver lineup to see what lando is doing you've got red bull potentially as an opening well that's now shut down mm. unless red bull are going to pay some big money to get him out that isn't happening um so yeah i, I would say lando's pretty much shot himself in the fourth if this this year's McLaren isn't good, then Jesus Christ, he's kind of stuck there and doubled down on something that's not going to work out. Which I hope it isn't the case because I like McLaren and I want Lando's to succeed and finally get over the line with that first win and stuff. Then that'll be a milestone that has to be achieved this year if the car is good enough. Anyway, mm. if it's not good enough, then fair enough, not in his hands. Um, but it's just. So bizarre, so bizarre to me that this is this has come out now. Yeah, I think I think it's always I always find think it's very interesting and strange in some parts when a driver or a team. We talked about this with Mercedes recently as well, with their um, keeping Allison and Wolf about that. You commit to a long term future before the season has kind of even begun. And I think this is very, I think this is, I think this is so different from Leclerc doing exactly the same thing. I think this is yeah. very different because it's, I think Leclerc has kind of made it clear that he, I guess, look, they both have, I guess the comparison is they both have the same sense of loyalty is that this is the teams that, the team that brought them up through the, their academy and, you know, given them good cars early in their careers. Of course, Leclerc was able to win in his first season with Ferrari, uh, Norris, uh, the 19 McLaren was good, and then the 21 was better, and then the 21 car was even better than that. And obviously, he kind of got back to the, where that 21 season was with uh, with last year's car. I do think there's optimism that the car should be fine. Like the, r- the rules are relatively, sp- pretty much very stable, and so with the platform that McLaren have had, it's. If they fall down the field this year, I don't think it's to do with them as to more so of Mercedes and Ferrari getting their act together. Yeah, I think I think that's that would be the case, wouldn't it? And to some extent, Aston Martin as well, but yeah, more... even Alpine in that sense. Yeah, but I, I would say but very unlikely. But yeah, <laughs> they were ahead of McLaren in the pecking order at the start of the season, so and had a very good car underneath them early on. So True. you never know. It it did if the package is there, then they could possibly do it. Yeah, so Norris then is very much buying into all of these aspects, like you mentioned, with uh, the Rob Marshall signing and David Sanchez, and like led by Stella and their three-pronged uh, technical lineup. Now they've got obviously they've committed to Mercedes power units until twenty thirty. 
They just signed Piastri during the season to as extension until 2026. So McLaren have caught all their kind of ducks in a row here. Uh, com- certainly the crown and the jewel now certainly complete with the Norris, the Norris extension here. So there is a sense of loyalty, obviously, for from Norris' side. He wants to win with McLaren. He's put his money where his mouth is, so to speak, although even though McLaren would be giving him <laughs> plenty of money to, uh, to do it. But he stuck to his word. He said he enjoyed the Red Bull rumours, but seemed to be intentional about kind of shutting those down kind of early, which... Yeah, I don't know. I think this what this does in the driver market, I think, doesn't really affect Ferrari. I think it strengthens no. Ferrari's position, actually, but we'll come to that. I think the only team that's really affected by the events of the last week are Red Bull, because yeah. obviously Leclerc, we kind of known for a while, was going to commit to Ferrari for the, the, the future. Norris, we if were, he was going to leave, he was going to go Mercedes, probably, if anywhere. It was just as likely he could go to Mercedes as he would Red Bull, certainly. Uh but Norris was definitely more of an unknown, and the, I think if he certainly wanted to, he could absolutely have made the switch. Like Red Bull, love him. Uh, Verstappen and him obviously get on very well. You know, there would be no objection really to bringing Norris into the fold. And I do think what Red Bull have to do, they do have to keep one eye kind of in the future because I still think there's a very real possibility for Verstappen just walks at the end of 28, which is, I know it's four years away now, but again, you need to be you need to begin to think about this stuff in terms of how you shape your driver lineup. And I think what Red Bull do now is going to be very interesting. Do they just go with a one year or with uh, Ricardo or Perez or their, their landscape, I think has now quite just changed quite a bit now long term because now Norris is for now, at least off the table. Yeah. It, it switches up everything for Red Bull, doesn't it? I think it's completely changed. One of the options of the probable four they had is now gone and locked away. Like I say, on this, unless they want to pay big cash, Ord Norris has got some performance causes in there somewhere. Well, this is which it. I'm sure he has to have yeah, so let's, this time. Let's break this down. So it was announced as an extension. So I imagine the current contract that runs until 25 still applies. Yeah. So we know there's no, there's no, we know because it was stated often at the time, there's no exits out of that. There's no performance clauses. There's no triggers that can. Uh, lead Norris to escape the way Sebastian Vettel did uh, to Ferrari back in back in the day. It's ne- it's from twenty five. Uh, it's from twenty six onwards. So I imagine there's plenty of performance breaks then that he could exercise. I imagine he's paid a lot more possibly than he was when he signed this deal he's currently on. And I imagine that is the reason why it's they've kind of phrased it as a multi year deal because. He could leave after maybe two seasons or three seasons, but it dep- like it's all. I think it's on his side of things. So, what I hope, if you're Norris and his representation, that you've given yourself a little bit more or a lot more, in fact, any wiggle room to explore any options you may want to, if the 26 regulations go to shit in the sense of the chassis, the work the McLaren chassis is awful, and then the Mercedes power unit uh, flounders as well. You have you have options that you can explore if you need to suddenly jump ship. So I think that's yeah. the reason for the ambiguity in McLaren reading how long the contract is. Yeah, it's, it's a little strange, but I guess they've got to play every card they can to try and keep him off of people's hands for a while. Yeah, and I don't think it's the... So the extent... Like, it's, I don't think it's like the Leclerc bumper extension uh, where... I think we could safely say it's at least four years, three or four years. Yeah. This mm-hmm. extensions, 
generally i think i find an f1 tend to be if you're going for an extension it's usually the two to three year range yeah it's normally a two plus one with the option yeah so i don't so i think in theory it certainly keeps an there for an additional two years at the very least so 26 and 27 and we see we'll see what kind of happens after that. So I th- I think it's okay. I think it's fine for McLaren. I, it's, it's frustrating as it is to not know what it is the contract length is. I think it's sensible from a business perspective on their side that it's kept somewhat uh, ambiguous. Now, when everyone gets to the first race of the season and people start talking, uh, they will know how long that deal actually is. Uh, that that much will come to the fore. We'll we'll, we'll figure that out eventually, but. Yeah, this Norris deal, I think... Okay, so we, we obviously had to take him away now from any conversations about the uh, driver market and Red Bull stuff for at least another two years. So there's that. So, Which is sad. It does ruin so some of the it, fun it, it a bit, yeah. Yeah, it's silly season kind of has had the sting taken out of it already. Because <laughs> Norris would probably be the biggest player after Leclerc has been signed away and what have you. Yeah. Now Norris has gone, that's another big player gone. So it's still a crazy, silly season coming. Yeah, right? that's the thing. Like in a sense, I don't think it really changes a lot because we expected Norris to be at McLaren next year anyway, and we expected yeah. Leclerc to be a Ferrari next year anyway. So I don't think these change anything in terms of the driver market we're about to get. Yeah, this probably is going to be the last Ferrari or McLaren contract for Leclerc and Norris. I want to say, if things go south. Ooh. Because oh. I don't expect it to go amazingly well for either of them, to be honest. Not because they build bad machinery or the drivers aren't performing, I just think they're just not going to be able to catch Red Bull. And Norris is going to regret that decision. Well, obviously, yeah. he's buying it. Obviously, he's buying into the long term future here. He's buying into all these promising things that are you know, swinging in McLaren's favour. And there's a lot of things going in their favour at the moment. It's, it's undeniable their momentum. It is, but is it circumstantial? The 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 thing is, is, you've got to see if if they can talk the talk this year. It's all right. If it's all right, them being on the pace at the end of last season, Red Bull stopped developing um, halfway through the season. Whereas McLaren carried on, carried on, carried on. I want to see McLaren be there from race one and carry it through. Yeah. Not just the end of the season where it doesn't really make much difference in terms of a championship fight. Yeah, I think you're right. We'll learn a lot this year about them uh, in terms of how well they can properly compete here. Because it, you know, I think they can certainly be quick. But what's what's quick relative now? Like it, it, it really depends on what Ferrari and Mercedes do. Because last year you could argue that those two were not on top of their games at all. They've both went through. Personnel changes, developmental changes, philosophical changes with their car. They both underperformed quite drastically last season. Now, they both had their moments. Ferrari, more so towards the end of the season, were looking pretty pretty good. And had certainly seemed to edge themselves ahead of McLaren once again by the last few races in the season. We're talking about Vegas and uh, Abu Dhabi. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So... It's a lot, a lot to deal with. 
so this year will be telling, I think, in, in terms of that sense. And again, it's, it's less so to do with them, it's, and it's more so what the turnaround for Mercedes and Ferrari is and how McLaren compare in that battle. So it's going to be yeah. fascinating to see. But Norris is obviously banking on you know it not being circumstantial, as you mentioned. Like They're, they're counting on that McLaren, even with Mercedes and Ferrari fighting at... 80, let's say 85 90% of their capacity they can still go toe to toe and exchange blows and uh, qualify them outrace them even if even like not in down years so to speak yeah the last let's think about it is this will be 12 years in McLaren and McLaren haven't had a car that's capable of fighting for a championship if this year doesn't go right it's been a minute 12 yeah. years it's a long time Especially if it's for a team of that caliber. Anyway, you expect a couple of down years here and there, but not not twelve years in a row. So come on, let's bring the fight. Let's bring the fight. Well, last year was definitely their best year since twenty twelve. Oh yeah, definitely, hundred percent. They've been getting better. They just need to maintain a consistency now, and not have a try a car that's dependent on it, whether it's a high downforce track or not. In a straight line, they're, they're kind of screwed. Yeah, they're lacking a little bit of power, I would say, compared to the Ferrari and uh, sorry, not Mercedes, uh, the uh, the Red Bull powertrain, of course, for the for all intents and purposes, the Honda. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Norris. Okay, so we have to now move move him off the board now, so to speak. The the Red Bull thing. He said it wouldn't be smart for him to go up against Verstappen. What is I your disagree. thought on that? I do. I do think he would have. He wouldn't be given the best chance to beat Verstappen in Red Bull. No, no, definitely not. It, it, as much as the F one fan inside of me would love to see, I, I think he's played it smart in the sense of why go somewhere not to be the number one when you clearly got the talent to be the number one. But at the same time, just like take the challenge, just go for it. It could be your team in three years' time, but then again, it could ruin your career at the same time. So it's just like it's a very double-edged sword. Without a race win, if he had race wins, I think it's a different conversation. But he doesn't, so that's the thing that I think holds him back from potentially doing something like this, where he goes up against Max. The other thing as well that I think comes into it is he's one of the few drivers on this grid where. If he wants to be a Red Bull in a three, four years, he can go do that. That the options open to him. There are some drivers where their form will only last so long, and that up that way a window where they can get themselves into a top seat. And I think I look at a Carlos Sainz as an example of that, where that window can close. The top drivers that stays open for longer, and I think Norris is one yeah. of those drivers where if he it comes twenty seven, twenty eight, whatever Verstappen decides to do. If he wants to go to Red Bull, he could, he'll still be more than good enough to do it, and he can just go then. It's you may as well play this out with McLaren. You know, you, you we want to reward. You know, you want to obviously be loyal to them and give them the best chance. Everything's trending in the right direction. We can. We, he would be. He could become a legend of that team if he can lead them to wins and a title contention. Uh, he would go down. It is one of the most storied teams in F1 history. He could make himself a real legend in that sense. The Red Bull thing, I think, will always be there for him when he wants it because there's no doubt that they would take him. 
Oh, 100%. He's just got to keep up this level, basically, to keep up his chances. And I've certainly seen him having the capability to do that. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I'm not in fear of a Norris drop-off in the next four years or whatever it is. If he, even if he does run this, uh, this contract to its, to its limit. Yeah, it's, I, I just don't see it happening, personally. He's too good of a driver for that to drop off. He will be in a front-running car at some point. It will happen, whether it's a McLaren or somewhere else. Like that's that's the one thing you can always guarantee is that if it doesn't work out here, he'll like he will end up in one of those top teams. Like it, it's it's one of those things. He, he will be frustrated, but yeah, but it it will happen for him. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, so it has to. It does have to. Like again, there's there's no excuse for McLaren anymore. Like there's everything they've got, everything they need. The only way I could see this going real south is well two things obviously you, you need the car of course and that's not always a guarantee in f1 but if it became like a toxic situation with piastri which i can't rule out no i can't rule it out but i'm very in the camp of it not going that way it should be okay but i've i norris is prickly enough with his teammates it's not really talked about enough we saw yeah, a little just bit with Ricardo. quite a lot Science you were was not a fan of how he was. No, I didn't really like how he was in as a teammate in the Ricardo stage of things. Not that he owes Ricardo anything, but I just I didn't really like some of the things that he was saying. Uh, Science we've seen is a very manageable, very easy to integrate driver. We've seen that with Leclerc, who can be you know Leclerc can be pretty hot headed as well at times under the under the collar. No, definitely. Uh, but that relationship has been very. It's been very smooth, and Science and Norris is obviously very smooth as well. Piastri, we know, is a little more prickly as well in in how he can go about, I guess, conflicts within the car. And I think there could be there. I think there could be something there that could spark off if something were to happen there. I think it's not impossible that those two could end up in a situation where, especially if there's, I think it depends how quickly Piastri kicks on. And if he can take it to Norris and how quickly that might happen. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, like, we, we don't have to doubt that this is Norris's team. Like, that's, that's that much yeah, is changing. Yeah, there's no, no doubt on it. He certainly, yeah. he certainly paid like, like it's Norris's team. <laughs> oh, 100%. I'd love to know why Leon. Yeah, he's got to be top. The, I think, the, what, the only, the only people he's trailing is, what, Hamilton. Max Lewis, Charles now, for a guess. I had to guess Leclerc and possibly Alonso. No, I don't think Alonso's on that much. I think Norris is on more than him anyway. With his previous deal. And yep. I think Alonso's current deal is only $20 million. Yeah, I Whereas, think Norris is making more than that now. Oh, 100%. He's probably on like 25. If he's not, point. he certainly will be in the next, after 25. Yeah, it probably goes up considering if there's um, a potential in the car, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So... Final verdict then on Norris. Do you think this is the right move for him to make? Does he, do you think he's got much to lose? Do you think he's losing himself, costing himself anything? What's your What's your final kind of takeaway from this deal? I, I think it's the right move for him for now, for the next two years, to a bat away the constant media scrutiny of oh, you're going to draw in Red Bull. They don't need that all throughout the season. Get that rumour shut down before the season's even started. Great, great move by McLaren and Norris in that sense. Um, and 
he basically Norris's called to make the team is his own by winning the race now. If he's given the machinery, let's go let's go for it. Come on, let's crack on a little bit. It's it's time. We're we're ready for it. So I hope it works out, but let's let's see. Because he could have really, really shot himself in the foot. But adapt it. Yeah, I think again, I think anything that happens after twenty five, there is some way for him to find an out, unlike his current deal. So what happens in the next two years is irrelevant because he was going to be at McLaren anyways. The 26, yeah. 27 stuff, again, it's a nice way to get a lie of the land after the regulation changes, see where McLaren are at, give them a year or two perhaps, and then if nothing works out after 27, then you can just go and join Red Bull or whatever it is you want to do because you you'll be able to choose wherever he goes because I imagine Hamilton will be out of the picture by 20, uh, 27 as well, into 28. Yeah, definitely and, will be. And then you do you do one year with Verstappen maybe, and then that team becomes yours. And then there you go. You're in, you're in Red Bull, and you're the number one driver. If Verstappen decides to walk away, essentially, yeah. So, I think he's I think he's yeah he's given himself options with this. I'm sure he's given himself options with this extension. Uh, he was going to be the McLaren for the next two years anyway. So I don't think anything that doesn't change anything for the driver market coming up. And. No. The momentum is strong. This is the right place to be at the right time now. You know, this is may, may as well explore. I, I'm, you know, I think this is absolutely fine. So, I like it for everyone involved. Obviously, McLaren. It's the biggest winners. I think are McLaren themselves. Just again, it's just yeah, because yeah, they've got Lando down, aren't they? So. They've, they've got Norris down now, and they didn't have to do. They didn't have, they didn't have to wait one race in 2024 to see where they are in the competitive standing. That's it. They've got. They've gone in now, and they, like you said, the the constant badgering of. Red Bull rumors and uh, it's just they have everything they need now. They've got Stella in. They've got their hirings in for their technical department. They got their wind tunnel. They've the Mercedes power unit sorted. They've got Piastri now to the extension of twenty twenty six. They've everything they need now, and you know they can they can rest easy knowing that they are sorted for the least the next at least the next three years. Yeah, and that's that's and Piastri is being the first thing that uh, kind of comes up there. And I imagine they can just, they'll do, they'll do another extension with him if he performs before that even comes up. Literally. That won't be long. Yeah, because again, it will just give them Norris insurance, which it was nice to have before, but you know, again, in another two years, you know, I think it'd be great to have again. So, yeah. Moving slightly, transitioning slightly to Ferrari then, I do think this is bad news for Carlos Sainz. Oh, definitely. His, journey back home is is closed now yeah his bargaining position has been weakened quite significantly and i think him and ferrari are in this very weird standoff now because i think they would have wanted to have announced leclerc and science together they've yeah if they could leclerc now has been done and we've got this weird i think we have this weird situation ferrari and science now where it's like ferrari don't want to sign him to more in two years Science wants more than two years, naturally. Uh, I'm sure Science's camp would be like, well, who, who are you going to get in that's better? And Ferrari can go, where, where are you going to go that's better? And we have this weird standoff where the the best way forward is they're both together for another two, at least two years. But Science wants longer than that. Ferrari's not going to get a better driver than Science in that time. So who who butches first? And now... Science's position is weakened because now he can't just so, say, I can just go back to McLaren. That door is now closed for now. 
Yes, yeah, so science has got really no leg to stand on. He's either got to agree to the Ferrari contract offer, or basically double down on the fact he's going to go to Audi or somewhere else. Um, which I would prefer not to do if I was him. Saying how much he, I know he likes Ferrari. Yeah. And being at the front of the, the guarantee of being at least in the top six. Yeah, if I was Whereas him... With like that other project is unknown. Yeah, again, this is, these next two years are big and it's very... He wants to get this... Like, Sainz is, is talking about wanting to get... He wanted his future sort of at the end of last year. Yeah. This is, this is uncomfortable territory for him. He doesn't... He hates going into a year where his contract's up at the end of the year and he doesn't know where he's going to be the following season. Hates that. Dislikes that greatly. Uh, it'll be very interesting because there there is a weird standoff with that now and that McLaren door is closed. I still think his best option is to just t- just take the two years. Just take the two years. Stay at Ferrari. See what happens. You get to, you know, if... I assume he's going to drive at a, a level well enough that he could step into an Audi drive afterwards. Why go through the pain of stepping down to a midfield team, possibly even still a backmarker team at the beginning of 25 in that stake Sauber operation before it becomes Audi? Uh, why leave the chance to go for podiums and wins? I know you'd like a three-year contract. It's not realistic right now. Ferrari want to, I, I assume, just see where things lie with Behrman, where other obviously their Norris Avenue closes up as well. Should mention yep. that, but yeah, I think science is better off just doing that. Uh, the Aston Martin thing is unclear because we don't know what's happening with Alonso or Stroll, so that could be an interesting again. We, so science's position is quite weak in that sense. The race we're talking about, Alex Albon, Scott Mitchell Mann mentioned Alex Albon for the Ferrari thing, and how it would be just a nice, it would be good insurance for Ferrari if science did decide. He didn't want to take the two years. He wanted something long-term, goes to Sauber or whatever. And Ferrari can just take Alex Albon. Now... No. I don't want that. I'd rather... I'd rather Gasly, man. For fuck's <laughs> sake. Honestly. It would be a big step Albon for Albon. Is, he needs to go to a midfield team and prove himself. It's not like driving in, at the back in a good car. Look at Russell. <laughs> it doesn't translate, man. Yeah, I'm not sure. He's not good enough to drive a Ferrari, man. I'm sorry. He's good, and he's improved immensely. I love Albon, but just no. No, he's had one good season. Hmm. I know. It's Well, we'll give him two good seasons, at least. He is, but that doesn't write off two bad years in a Red Bull, does it? It's not completely clean from that point of view. So, uh, put that point of view, yes, I do agree. It would be a big step. I would like to see him in an Alpine or something beforehand. But first, yeah, and then if he did exactly the same, fair enough, go for it. Not a problem then. That's why I said Gasly or something like that. That would be fine. Hmm. I think Gasly would be perfect as a number two. What um, What do we think about? Because I think the team that's lost the most with with the Norris deal is obviously Red Bull. Because now they've got to look at who they get in. Don't you dare how, say how long. What do we think about Carlos Sainz going to Red Bull as a sidestep? It's like you don't want to give me, you don't want to give me the three years. Fine, I'll, Red Bull will take. Because here's a Red Bull won't get a better driver now. No, right, not right now. Certainly, like. Science would be the best that they could get 
at this current stage and I am putting him above whatever Ricardo does this year I'm putting science above that until Ricardo proves, proves otherwise because if we're being honest Sunoda outperformed in the back end of uh, 2023 yeah but we'll give There's Ricardo a year Ricardo. yeah give him a year I don't I would back science over Perez although you could have an interesting conversation about who's the better driver when they're both at their peak however I oh that's easy I am unsure easy. about Perez reaching that peak and I, as I am science so science is probably no I know there was issues with science and Verstappen in obviously a Tor Rosso but here's the thing that was that's nearly 10 years ago now Verstappen's won three championships he's won over nearly six what 60 races now at this stage nearly uh, science yeah. has won a race now as well he's won two races he's had an experience at the top he's shown that he could he could definitely be the team player I, I've no, there's been no issues with any of that at Ferrari. I think he's done well with two potentially difficult situations with teammates where it could have easily popped off. Because I don't think, as much as I love Charlie Leclerc, you know, obviously there were there was tension with Vettel. Yeah, there was. And Norris, I think, can be a bit prickly as well. So Science has been. He's, you can't say he's not been a good teammate in all this as well. So why doesn't it make sense now? all this time later for Verstappen and Sainz to reunite and you have two drivers who are but you'd have I think they both get the best out of each other in many ways even though Sainz can't match Verstappen Red Bull have got assurances that they have a strong driver for at least two or three years and they can see where the driver market lies and see if Norris comes into the fray again depending on what Verstappen does you don't have to worry about I only get to worry about performance side of things with Sainz compared to Perez and and possibly Ricardo as well. I don't know what. I just think that works for everyone involved. And I was it so detrimental yeah. ten years ago about Verstappen and Sainz? Can we not do? The, can we not run that back now in the senior team, and kind of give Red Bull somewhat of a pass for letting Sainz slip through their nets because they could have avoided a lot of complications had they, you know, I guess they couldn't have. You couldn't have quite have seen Sainz being as strong as he as he's become he's put a lot of work and he's become a lot a much better driver than i think many would have seen him when they were both at toro rosso but i just think it's a i think now now that norris is off the table i just think it works for red bull now i just don't know where else what better options they could have for the next three years now yeah he, he would be the solution right he solves a lot of problems like you say he's still young enough he could be at the team for five six years if they, if they really wanted him to, which would get them through the, the transition period with Max mm-hmm. and settle them with a new driver for a couple of years as well. Um, Science would get his multi-year deal. He'd get the consistency of being in the top three teams again, which he's got with Ferrari anyway. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I just think it'd be silly for Red Bull not to have it as an option anyway. He's better than Perez, in my eyes, and has a better peak. Yeah. And more potential. A swap between Perez and and Science wouldn't be the worst idea for both teams, I guess. Red Bull, Red Bull win, and if Ferrari lose Science, then they get an ex Ferrari junior in for a couple of years while they wait for Behrman. It's yeah, it's it's not ideal for Ferrari, but I guess. Well, it's their cho- like probably... ultimately it's their choice. Like if they wanted to sign, sign like if they offered signs three years, he like we'd we'd already be talking it's about a signs extension. Do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah, we'd already be at that it's, place. It's, that's the thing. 
it's whoever do- doubles down first out of the two, isn't it? Really? Yeah, it's it's a very and weird I, standoff. I think, I think yeah, I, I think Carlos is going to get to a point where he will have to take his future into his own hands. Yeah, I think. I hope I hope he doesn't go to Salba this early. It's too, too early. early. It is far too early for that, and Sainz is too. Good if you want to be day. in there for the, if you want to be in there for the first year in twenty six, fine. I understand that, not a problem. But going for twenty five, mm, I don't quite believe in that project yet. No, I don't either. So I just think that Red Bull thing works for everyone involved. Uh, Ferrari, like, like if Ferrari just take two years on Albon, he'd be he'd be damn grateful to be there, and you'd move on. And if he works out, he works out. If he doesn't, I mean, Felipe Massa was a risk in two thousand and six. He worked out. That worked out all right. Uh, and that yeah. was with, you know, Massa also missed a year in 2003. Yeah. After his rookie season uh, was a bit erratic and Ferrari took him as their test driver. He came, you know, he got back to Sauber and, you know, like Albon, missed a year and was able to show that he learned a lot and grew. And Massa was a very confident Grand Prix driver who should have won a title. Hmm. So I, you know, if you want to take Albon, I think that's absolutely fine. He'd be damn like he'd be damn grateful for us, and you see what you've actually got, and then you wait for Behrman or whatever it is in the driver market, and you can have a bit more options to you. Uh, but yeah, I think if if they wanted science for three years or four years, they'd have offered it by now, and we'd be he'd be it would already be it would already be done. So yeah, yeah, interesting in that sense. The other Ferrari seat now. Let's just briefly talk about this because it's not as much to say about it. Charlie Leclerc. Uh, announced the contract extension as well again this obviously came before Norris and similar kind of sense several more seasons was how it was pushed so a bit vague in terms of its length but we have a strong suspicion that is it's certainly at the very least three years I would guess bordering on four or five yeah that's what my understanding of it is uh, Scott Mitchell man made the good point that if it had been five years then Fry would have definitely been shouting about that which I think is absolutely fair and I think McLaren would have done the same thing with Norris had that been four or five years you would make sure you say four or five years yeah so I imagine that's kind of three and four for Leclerc and again with whatever outs he needs he's very much in the driving ascendancy and the negotiations there so yeah he said, I'm very pleased to know that I'll be wearing the Scuderia Ferrari race suit for several more seasons to come. To race for this team has been my dream since I was three years old. This team is my second family ever since I joined the Ferrari Driver Academy in 2016. And we've achieved a lot together, fighting through thick and thin over the past five years. However, I believe the best is yet to come. And I can't wait for this season to start to make further progress and be competitive at every race. My dream remains that of winning the World Championship with Ferrari. And I'm sure that in the years ahead, we'll enjoy great times together and make our fans happy. And Frederick Vassour said uh, it was natural to extend the, uh, extend the contract. He said, we've known him for his incessant desire to push himself to the limit. We appreciate his extraordinary abilities when it comes to fighting and overtaking in the race. We are determined to give Charles a winning car. I know that his, his determination and commitment are elements that can make the difference in helping us reach our goals. Yeah. So, simple. look, not too much. Like, again, we kind of known this was coming for a while now. This The confirmation is now out. So, you know, Leclerc is going to be there for several more seasons to come. Uh, it's going to be interesting what Ferrari do in that point. Uh, you know, their t- as they continue their turnaround, not just philosophical with their car, but obviously now with Fred Fassour at the helm. I have to say I'm pretty excited for their prospects this season. I, th- I thought they looked pretty damn decent at the end of last season. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. We're not doing a Mercedes, man. <laughs> but you're all right. It did look good. Things did start to t- turn around. But I'm not going to get on board of the hype train just because I saw 
what happened in 2022 with Merck. Um, but it is going in the right direction for sure. And getting Leclerc to sign a contract, a big contract, a year after his relationship with Bonotto is basically done. And yeah. was probably going to leave Ferrari. Um, that's a big coup. A big, big coup for Ferrari. He wants to be with Ferrari regardless, I think, at this point. He wants to get the championship with Ferrari. That, that, that is, that's his dream. So there isn't a better option for him anywhere else at the moment. So why not commit to where your heart is, basically? Yeah, and that's very much with Ferrari, as as he's mentioned a lot of times as well. But it does, it does complete a you know, remarkable turnaround in the last 13 months or so between the end of 22 and, like you said, the fractured relationship with Bonotto and then Fissura coming in. And again, it hasn't it hasn't always resulted on track, but just you've got Leclerc now for at least the next, well, obviously, including this year, five years. Yep. That's a massive, that's a massive bonus. Like that's, you could breathe a heavy sigh of relief knowing that Leclerc is going to be there for certainly at least three or four more years. And that's, that, like you said, that wasn't guaranteed and it certainly wasn't heading in that direction uh, at the end of 2022. No. So that's a win-win for everyone involved, and again, speaks to his loyalty. And you know, obviously, he wants to do the same thing with Norris. Obviously, is you know, win with the team that has supported them throughout their uh, not just their junior career, but obviously through the, obviously uh, in in their current uh, situations as well. So yeah, again, like like Norris doesn't do anything really for the driver market. Uh, I'd still think even if Science ended up going to an extension, I don't like. Does that change? It changes a little bit for the market, but we, I think, realistically, that we know that the market's going to be mostly it's Red Bull, it's Alpine, Williams, the Alpha Tauris, you know, everyone else is up pretty much on there on the clock here. But Ferrari, yeah, I, you know, we kind of earmarked them as teams we expect, like McLaren, teams we expected to kind of be similar heading into next season, away from all this chaos. Hmm. And certainly with the clerk side of things, so we'll see what happens with science, of course. But uh, but certainly we kind of known for a while that the clerk was going to be off the table. Yeah, so science is the big player in this market now. Science and Perez. Yeah, this is the thing. Like you, you, people talk about dominoes falling, and I don't think neither of these driver situations are the big dominoes for the twenty twenty five driver market. Long term, no. sure. Like again. The Norris Red Bull thing's off the table now for certainly at least another two or three years. The clerk, whatever you want to say about Mercedes or Red Bull, similar story. It is science, It is Perez's Red Bull seat and it is Sainz's Ferrari seat. These are the these dominoes are the ones that need to come next. After that, I think we'll see, because you know, you've got, you'll have Albon holding out. You'll have Ricardo and Perez and this, like you've got possibly even science in that regard as well. You've got a lot of people waiting to see what happens with that Ferrari seat and that Red Bull seat, and then we'll go from there. There are some drivers who will be free of that, like the Cyber chaps, Alpine for at least one seat. Again, depending what the, I'm sure they they would take Albon, but they may have to wait for Albon to become available to them, depending what happens with science. Yeah, so. Uh, speaking of Ferrari, though, they also named uh, Ollie Behrman as their new F1 reserve to join Giovinazzi and Schwartzman. So, just adding that another name to the mix. Hmm. Well, nothing too much else to say on that. Just, just another. No, he's just, he's just there. We expected it to be fair. Yeah, just as I guess a formality of sorts. Uh, other driving news before I forget. Uh, we talked about F1 Academy last. I think it was last week or week before. Mm. 
mentioned that Lena Bueller was too old to come back to F1 Academy. She's 26. Uh, she's going to be taking it to Freca next year, or this year rather, with ART. Yeah. So excellent stuff. The comparison now between her and Marta Garcia in that series is going to be very fun, at least. Oh, definitely. So that's there's there's a lot at stake there. It's it's one thing. Here's the thing. It's one thing to beat someone. It's one thing to beat. It's one thing to beat someone in F1 Academy. It will be an entirely different ball game in Freca. Completely different. Because it's not... You have this, obviously, dynamic in F1 Academy where everyone is always helping each other, in a sense, because they're all part of this F1 Academy, they're part of, you know, this single-seater female series. And there's a great... It's like the the uh, W Series. There's a, there was a, a excellent fraternity in, the, in those yeah. series. That is not the case in Freca. It's everyone out for themselves. Everyone's out for themselves. You got people from, you know, uh, diverse backgrounds who have gone through the lack of funding, but just got through on talent. You have got those who have been those the opposite end of the spectrum, where they have just been able to be fund their way through. You've got driver academy members. You've got it's a large, especially in Freca. It's a very large melting pot. It's huge, <laughs> and it's cutthroat. Like it's, it is sendish. It is. It's. It is night and day compared to the uh, to F one academy. So, the Marta Garcia Lena Bueller uh, aspect, I'm going to be fascinated to watch in Freca this year. That's going to be a lot of fun. It will be. So big bragging rights up for grabs there. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that one, how that one unfolds. Yeah. Uh, to do right, we also got a confirmation in. Oh jeez, confirmation in the week. This was the biggest story I reckon until the Norris thing broke. Uh, well, arguably, uh, last week we thought maybe we're safe. Maybe we're safe from a very silly uh, AlphaTauri name change. There was hope for a brief period of time. That was quickly dashed with the announcement last week that, as feared initially, AlphaTauri have become the Visa Cash App RB Formula One team for 2024. Uh, when one title sponsor isn't enough, you get a second one to go into your team name, uh, taking the leave out of Aston Martin's book, I reckon, for this one. But, oh dear. Uh, can we universally agree that this is hands down the worst F1 team name in history? Yeah. 100%. I think that's fair to say. Uh, I have no problem with teams getting money. You, you know, we every team incorporates a sponsor name into their entry name for apart from Ferrari. Apart from Ferrari, of course. Uh, usually speaking. I don't know if Maranello ever... Or, no, sorry, I don't, I don't know if... Mar, I think Marlboro may have uh, snuck in in the 2000s, but... Uh, before our cigarette bans, but... Everyone puts in sponsors into their, into their entry names. That's part of it. That's part of title sponsorship. That's... Everyone does it. The, the, it's the RB bit... After that, that's the that's that's the problem here because what's the identity now? Like I don't with Toro Rosso and Alfatari, there was at least something. Alfatari less so than Toro Rosso, but there was you had something of an identity there, and I don't know what that identity is now. I don't know what that team is now. I I don't. I it's it's a it's the same team. It's we're being a, I think we're being a little over dramatic. Are we sure? Because it's no longer a place to bed in Red Bull Juniors for the aim of the Red Bull senior seat. That seems well, to have disappeared. That's their fault. That's their problem. But that was that was part of their identity for 
15, 14, 15 years. It was, yeah. And that's... There, there isn't anything to stop that. It's just a stopgap year because none of the drivers that they put any faith in have actually done anything with it and not grabbed the horns by both hands. <laughs> so they've sort of had to... Yeah, no, it, it, it was, to be fair. It, it's sort of... Red Bull's confidence in their juniors has backfired and the ones that they thought would be there have either done something stupid or not been good enough, which is sort of Cough, put them in a position where Dantic term Yuri Vips. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure would be an F one right now. If they had they not done something stupid, which is sort of left Red Bull red handed. Yeah, Vip, Vips less so, but Tictum I, w- I was absolutely sure would be would be an F one had he not been Dan Tictum. <laughs> yeah. So I, I wouldn't put so much emphasis on them losing identity. I think it's sort of them scrambling around for things. I'm sure if Chad Dewan had committed himself to Red Bull, he would be in F1 right now. That would also be, yeah, that also helps. Yeah, <laughs> they, 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 it's a magnitude of multiple situations going the wrong end for Red Bull. Partly because of their own decisions, partly because of other people's decisions. So I wouldn't read too much into it this year. Next year, fair enough. Cry Wolf if it all goes similar to what this year's gone, where it's basically they're running two drivers that shouldn't really be there, to be honest. No. <laughs> um, Yuki shouldn't be in there for his own sake. Yeah. Because he's better than that. So notice they auditioning for other teams now at this stage. Yeah, and Red Bull are okay with it. And Ricardo's fighting for a Red Bull seat that he won't get. So, yeah, it's, it's great. It's a, they're in a <laughs> weird place right now. The RB apparently does not stand for racing bulls in the entry list. Okay. So uh, yeah, just for, for whatever that's that, which obviously, which arguably makes it worse. It does, yeah. So I don't know. Very, very strange. The uh, it's just it's such a weird. I don't know. Uh, it's such a weird situation they got going on. There, I uh, look. I, we presume Lawson will be in the car for twenty twenty five. Lawson is someone else new. So whoever wins We've... the shootout in. Formula Two. I'm still... I, it could be someone from outside the pool. I don't know. Maybe they could snap someone up. Um, to if there isn't a seat available for say Behrman or Mercedes can't get uh, Antonelli in somewhere. I'm sure Alpha Tower would rather put someone in like that the car and get some money out of it than have someone who is basically a pay driver put in there. So yeah. it's it's weird because I'm I'm unlike some I'm absolutely not writing Isaac Hatcher into that car at all right now even though he got FP1 yeah. sessions not a chance he was he was nothing in F2 last year for being honest having contended for should have won the title if we're being honest in F3 in 2022 had he not crashed in qualifying in the last round that was a killer blow that he he had he had it in his hands I think I think the momentum was kind of with him and he kind of he literally stuffed that into the wall but I've I don't know where this consensus has gone that we've just given uh, Hajar this seat when he's absolutely not earned it yet. So let's 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 slow down on that for now. But anyway, uh, yeah, just a very weird one. I yeah, I'm I know it might be an overreaction, but I, the identity thing does bother me, especially uh, just especially with that team is that that uniform is steeped in history with Minardi. Like there is history there. I know it's. They're a minnow in the backmarker team and they barely stayed above water. But there is legitimate history there. And you've got some of Toro Rosso as well, with the people have kind of come through that team as well. Yeah. 
So it, it, it does bother me with the path this has gone down. But I think, if nothing else, with the with the colour scheme, I think we expect a very good-looking car. Yeah, yeah. It probably will be one of the best-looking cars on the grid, to be honest. I wonder if they'll go back... I wonder how similar they'll go back to their 2017, 2018, 2019... And Torosso blue thing. Yeah, because that's... All the branding is in that direction. Like, it's that blue and the... The visa's not in yellow, which I think it should be just for fun. But it, it should kind of, be, but I don't think it would work. It's it in that very yeah. I think yeah. twenty seventeen Sauber vibes. If it was blue <laughs> with the yellow accents on it from Visa, so if they did go back to the Torosso style, then that would be very nice because that is one of my favourite coloured cars of all time. It is a gorgeous. They were gorgeous cars, and it certainly looks like they are because the silver is plastered on the graphics as well. Yeah. So, I'm excited about that, but yeah, well, I, mean, I guess we're still still at the crossroads of what on earth do we call this team on as we refer to them. But anyway, Torosso, simple as. Yeah, yeah, I'm. That's what I'm going to call them. So, yeah, I'm tempted to uh, I'm tempted to agree with that. Uh, last major last major thing on the docket here was the announcement. These very yeah, it seems so long ago now with all with all this other stuff, but. The announcement, as we kind of expected, that Madrid is joining the F1 calendar in 2026. Uh, so this kind of now uh, was officially announced then. So Madrid, I know it's been on the cusp for a little bit. The trademarks were in for a while. But now that it's here, you've seen the layout. We've seen a lap of it as well. Uh, I guess we'll just very quickly just take you through some of the, uh, some of the features of it. 20 corners around the FEMA Exhibition Centre. Uh, laps are projected around the 92-second estimate, for a minute 30 or so. Uh, there is, I think, a, there's two tunnels. There's a banking, 5.4 kilometres. Uh, they reckon the spectators of 110,000 for the venue as well. Uh, what, what's your what's your take on the, uh, on, I guess the track, forget what it means for the future of the Spanish Grand Prix, but just, I guess, the track itself. What do you What do you reckon? Uh, for it to be branded as a street circuit is quite bold because it doesn't seem like a street circuit from when you actually look at it on the onboard laps of the uh, what we've seen on on the sim. It doesn't look like it to be honest, but it is. Apparently. It's very very strange, quite flowing. Um, the first two sectors are not what I expected at all from the track map itself. Hmm. Sector three is very clumsy, yeah, not very nice. Sectors one and two, I quite enjoyed watching a lap on board with it. To be honest, it's really nice. Lots of new features from Formula One tracks, obviously the banking and stuff, and the the tunnels. I I quite enjoy. That's that'll be nice. Um, yeah, it, different, very different. Not what I expect for the Madrid Grand Prix. No. If I'm honest, but when you say Madrid, I think town centre Madrid, not. Racing out in the suburbs of Madrid. In an industrial that's station. that's essentially what you're doing. Yeah. My thoughts on the track are... I was... Yeah, obviously, look, I was sceptical about it. And I saw the onboard lap of the sim. Uh, I think Williams had it as well. Uh, they Certainly, they posted something about it. They... Yeah, first two seconds, I actually quite enjoy quite a bit. Uh, I think there are some... I, I do like the flow of it. I do think... I guess it's one of those tracks that drivers are going to really enjoy driving. And it's going to be yep. a great qualifying track. 
Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun in that sense. Sector 3, I dislike greatly. It's very clunky, very clumsy, 90-degree stuff. They've taken inspiration. Like, I look at this track and I think, you've taken inspiration from a few tracks here. Uh, Vietnam being one. Um, a, lot of, a lot of tracks in the last two, three years have kind of taken inspiration from Vietnam in some way, shape, or form. I kind of wish we got the race of Vietnam. I think it's a I think it's a shame that things went as they did, and we didn't get the Vietnam Grand Prix. But anyways, the tracks have taken features of it since. The banking I quite like. I, I quite like the track is. I think it'd be good to drive Maya Sector Three, and they're taking. The, I think they're taking the inspiration for the last corner from the uh, from Singapore or for Vietnam as well. But who is going to overtake where? I. You've it's got, literally going to be the banking. That's basically where you're going to have to try and get some momentum built up as you come out of the banking and into the corner following it. That's about it. Or try and send one up the inside on uh, one of the 90 degree ones. Yeah, because the start line, the start finish straight is not going to be long enough. You've got you've got turn one and turn two, and then you've got a little bit of a straight where you'll have to put DRS any now into that first tunnel. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, and after that tunnel, then you've got a little bit of a run. You've got a little bit of a chicane there before the banking itself. And the, after the banking, then there's that left-hander, which is... You'll have to scrub some speed off, but it's not enough to send a move. Now, if you can carry some speed... How many, depending on how much speed you can carry through there, you might... By the time you get towards the second tunnel, maybe your chance. But I, I struggle to see where the overtake is going to occur on this track. And that's, that's always a problem, I'm going to say. That's always a problem when... There's no real consensus overtaking opportunity, and that's that is a problem. It is a problem. So it's, uh, it's, it's a big worry. Yeah, for a race, for a Grand Prix race, yeah, I, I reckon so. I, it's I don't, yeah. So why I don't know. Maybe they maybe they felt they were committed too deep into it. Maybe the changes at Spain came too late. Spain was one of the better races last year at, at Barcelona. I would say. Yeah. Uh, with the with the cutting of the chicane, they've obviously changed turn ten as well. They've added some more runoff for turn one, etc. I think that things are trending in the right direction there, but I think you don't start this process overnight. This is a a multi year thing, and I wonder if they felt they were in too deep and didn't want to give the, the Barcelona uh, Catalonia venue the benefit of the doubt for those changes. Not to say I blame them because. History, a large sample of history showed that there were not good Grand Prix races at the Circuit of Catalonia. Yeah. Certainly before the changes, but anyway. Uh, Dominicali has said that Madrid joining the calendar does not mean the track of Barcelona has no future. Uh, future is a vague word. I think this drop. Now, we should say it, this track is like, they'll have, we'll have two Spanish Grand Prix essentially at 2026 because. The circuit of Catalonia is still contracted until the end of 2026, so that's happening anyway. Is, yeah. So we'll have Madrid and Barcelona in the same season, but I'm not expecting. I certainly don't expect Barcelona to come back after that. I'd, I, I would be shocked if both those races are on the calendar in 2027. Yeah, one or the other. It, it just, I, 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 I don't see. One more boss than they could have done. No, did they literally did everything they asked? Took good result last year. 
Yeah, it was a good race last year. We'll see what happens this year. Too little, too late, I guess. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was too late. It is a great shame though, because I think there's still this. I think there'll still be a future for this track as a test venue. But this is a great venue for your junior categories as well. This is one of the busiest weekends of the entire season for your junior categories. We both F2 and F3 operate around this track as well at this time. It's an important yep. track. It's the Barcelona circuit, as you know, as difficult as races have been over the years, they are drivers' challenges. They are big for developmental checkpoints as well, I think, for drivers and for teams, F1 teams as well, with their cars. They're, it's a It's a big deal. And I think losing that would be a great shame there is there is f1 history at this place there is yeah like we've it's, got it's sad but yeah probably overdue yeah i'm gonna feel bad if we get like three great races in a row between maybe even four actually if you count 23 24 25 and 26 we get say we get four good spanish grand prix in four consecutive years it's gonna make this look a bit, a bit dicey, especially when uh, I'm not expecting fireworks at this at this Madrid track. No, me either. So I don't know. It does bother me a bit, but we'll see. Look, we've, look, we both. I mean, we're both skeptical about Jetta and Vegas, and I mean, we were very. I'm glad to be wrong. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, exactly. Prove me wrong. Yeah, but those tracks didn't come at the cost of another, really. No. Which is a kind of slight difference in this case, but yeah. So that's why I feel a bit iffy about it. But anyway, uh, we shall we shall see. Any other thoughts on the uh, Madrid circuit at all, or Spanish Grand Prix? No. Yeah, I don't have any more thoughts either. Um, I guess lastly, then uh, two things rather. Uh, Daytona Twenty Four just happened. Uh, literally about half an hour an hour as we record this it just finished so uh, yeah if you ever want like, just because your F1 just because your career in F1 doesn't work out there's always another route for you as Felipe Nasser is, uh, is showing <laughs> and Kumasato in the past yeah. of course as well uh, Nasser Newgarden and I think Campbell uh, with the winning outfit for the number 7 Porsche at the Daytona 24 so yeah, fair play, Felipe Nasser, I guess. I mean, still knocking around uh, all this time later after his F1 uh, career ended at the end of 2016. So, fair play. And just another just another race with Joseph Newgarden, isn't it, at the end of the day? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't have any other thoughts, really, on the Daytona after that. I mean, I think Button finished Well, you watched four minutes of it, so... Well, here's the thing. I didn't really, like... I just expected it to be, to be behind a paywall, like... Le Mans Formula. is and Formula E and all that, but no, it was on the IMSA IMSA race website the entire time. And I was like, oh, I I just assumed it was because I knew NBC were doing it, and I heard people complain about how many ads were on NBC and all that kind of thing. And it was, I was like, oh, well, that's yeah, okay, fair enough, just paywall. But yeah, sad face, sad face indeed. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that's all the thoughts I have on that. Uh, Formula E, there's a double header at Diria. And again, stuck behind the paywall. Uh, so I only got to really see race two, but the the only real takeaway I have is, well, two things. Uh, no one finished inside the top five in both races other than Nick Cassidy, who got a podium in the first race and then won in race two. Uh, race two was weird because we had a qualifying was weird on both instances. And we had like Dennis and Evans and, a bunch of top people knocked out in in the group 
So we had this hmm. weird shootout where it was like Robin Frines and Ollie Rowland and... Uh, you know yeah. it's bad when Ollie Rowland's up there. Well, Ollie Rowland took flipping pole position for the second race. I know he did. Which is mad. But like you had like JQs and... Uh, we had It was a very weird kind of session. So you had Verline and Dennis and Evans kind of all out of position. Cassidy qualified third, which basically meant he'd won the race, essentially. All he had to do was just make just cover off Robin, Robin Freund's. Uh, and once he did that, that was it. So kind of very controlled win for Cassidy in the end. He now moves 19 points clear ahead of Verline for, yeah, in the need of title. To be fair, Cassidy was always going to be a pretty strong pick for title contender. I think I may have predicted Evans. I can't remember if one of us predicted Cassidy or not. One of us did. Maybe it was me. I I, I thought I had Evans, though. But I, picked, I picked Vern, so... I may have had Evans, but I, th- I definitely knew Cassidy was going to be a very strong contender, and he's yeah, got especially after the heartbreak of last year. Yeah, plus he's like he's in the top team there with Jaguar, with you know same powertrain as the, he had in the Envision, but it's Jaguar. <laughs> it's it's it naturally it's a little bit better than Envision, and Envision's great as a customer team. Like they they contend for race wins, they do what customer team should do with uh, this with the adequate powertrain. But yeah, yeah, the Jaguar seat is a step up, and Cassidy is showing that. Three podiums out of three races, so I would, yeah, he was so consistent as well. I, I just think he's going to be a pretty hard one to beat. Uh, there are a couple of people in real trouble, I think, in Formula E for a starter. Dan Ticton being one of them, a DNF and a P21 over the two races. S- suddenly, I think his future is looking pretty ropey. And it doesn't surprise me at this point. No, honest. it doesn't. Now, he hasn't done himself any fa- The reason why he's with ERT and not another better team is because no one can trust him and because he can't trust him for sponsorship, sponsorship reasons. Uh, I think it was... Was it Michael Andretti famously said he couldn't you couldn't have him because of uh, sponsors, because of like what he, what he would say, essentially. Yeah. Which is pretty damning. And that's why he hasn't moved up further up the grid. But pretty rough stuff from him. I will say as well to start the season. Uh, I mean, Nick DeVries is not much to say about that, really. Uh, another a P17, the P15 in the Mahindra, but then, <clears throat> but that's that's bang about where, you, like, arguably P15 is higher than I'd expect in the Mahindra, if we're being honest. Yeah, I suppose. So I, I, I there's not much. I, I don't. He's not. I don't think he's driving badly. It's just he's had very little test time. It's just what else is he supposed to do? He's in the Mahindra. That, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the one I'm. Concern with greatly is Antonio Felix da Costa, who okay. is scoreless in three races now this season, a P16 and the P14, and a DNF in the first season. I think on the back of last season as well. Let me just double check this. Uh, da Costa, uh, yeah, the last four races of 2023, he wasn't in the points either. Jesus Christ! So it's a pretty bad run for him now, and that's a pretty good seat in Porsche and there were moments where in mind, mm. he also drives the Porsche Penske in uh, endurance racing he so. does he does but it yeah. is concerned like he's a good driver I just like or he's an okay What's driver going on? but it's very odd that's a very odd situation going on there and I'm worried for him now again because he's he scores after three races in a Porsche that's it's not great. Not good. Not good stuff. Uh, shout out to Mortara for finishing 11th in the Mahindra in the, in the second Diria race. Fair play. <laughs> uh, Sergio Sete Camera scored a few points in the first Diria race. Fair play. Uh, again, in the ERT. Good stuff for him. 
The Nissans were pretty good in the second race as well. Finestras has had a P6. Uh, Ollie Rowland obviously took pole position and finished on the podium, which is pretty flipping amazing. Yeah, and for Ollie Rowland as well, who I would have had definitely second best of the two uh, of the two Nissans. So fair play to him. I don't think he's. I think I think it's a shame he's peaked in race three of the season, but yeah <laughs> anyway that's that's unfortunate uh sam bird yeah dnf in the second race p4 sam bird's in this weird place where i could just see like i just feel he's tail spinning somewhat i don't know what it is and it's i almost feel like he can't stop us in a sense it's it's a, you ever see like a dry i think maybe you could on a lesser scale like you knew where it was going south of vettel at ferrari pretty quickly yeah, you did, and it there didn't seem to be much you could really see to stop it. Like you knew it was kind of happening as you as it was unfolding before you, and that's kind of how I feel about with Sam Bird. It's it's a very and then we finished P four in the second in the first Deria race, which is a very weird one. Uh, his teammate also finished P four in, in the second race as well. JQ's uh, he had a good he had a good run of it. Uh, yeah, shitter for Buemi, um point. Uh, didn't score in the first race and then didn't even start the second race after he crashed in qualifying pretty uh, pretty roughly as well big impact there <laughs> so yeah that's a rough one especially when his teammate finished uh, second in the second race as well there's now ahead of him in the standings uh other than that i mean max gunther's been quietly solid piece he's in six in the standings 20 points in that maserati uh Deruvla had a dnf and the p20 in the two races as well so <laughs> Uh, the DNF DNF was a mechanical fault, to be fair. It was like a problem with the brakes and the regen. Uh, other than that, I'm concerned for Mitch Evans that he's already 36 points behind Cassidy. Jesus. That is a problem. Um, wasn't helped by the qualifying shite. To be fair, like it's not that he's done badly. He's got two P5s in the P10. The P10, I don't think, was really his fault with in the second Deria race with how qualifying went and he got the chance because with Buemi's crash he kind of got the chance Rob to do to get to the duels so that so it's not that he's been bad it's just Cassidy is already coming to hit the ground running so it's just a bit context and relative uh, and then lastly then I guess lastly uh, Jake Dennis then won the first race pretty comfortably actually and then got similarly shafted in qualifying and then finished P12 and couldn't move up to the field so he had on two right as well uh, did, did, did he get a penalty as well? I'm not sure. So he finished in the points and then got a penalty. That actually that might have been why. Yeah, actually that's why Martara ended up finishing uh, where he did. <laughs> I just remembered. And Evans actually lost himself a podium in the last corner as well in the first race. What? So that was that was also tough for him. Uh, good weekend for Vern, I would say. Again, again, this is the thing. Like everyone except Cassidy. They had either one good race, like it was, they had one good race, really. Like no one else had two good races, really. Like the the lo- full east stuff. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like the only ex- the only exception I use that term loosely is Verline, who scored a P eight in the first race and a P six in the second race. A lot of these drivers, so it was. But this is the thing. Like like you look at Freins, eighteen points and then one point. Mitch Evans, ten points and then one point. Uh, JQ's 12 points and one point, uh, zero points. Jake Dennis, 26 points and zero points. Like, this is the thing. Like, no one had two good races other than Cassidy. <laughs> and there you go. That's And that's how you end up with a 19-point lead. Right. So, yeah. there you go. Uh, next up in the Formula E will be Sao Paulo, which I'm interested to see because it's I've not seen Brazil, uh, Formula E at Sao Paulo before. So, that should be interesting. 
Um, overall, though, I'd say disappointing action once again. The uh, just not the most entertaining of races here. Kind of ruined. What's in Spanish this week? I did. Yep, yeah, I did. Claro Sports. Thank you very much uh, for keeping me hooked Oops, for sorry. the second race. At least I was able to see. So, yeah, not the best of showings. Uh, maybe it's a good time for have, have, to have it behind paywall. For sure. <laughs> yeah, race two was just weird because just everyone like you had all the big players out of position. Sadly. Uh, yeah. and, and for some reason they couldn't like normally like that's that was the case last year you had all like you had like the qualifying merchants with like the nissans and the maseratis and the mclarens somewhat as well and that which made it interesting that and these guys were able to cycle through forward but hasn't quite happened this year like last year ollie roland wouldn't have kept p3 no definitely not he would have cycled out There's of the points much- Though there was too much shenanigans going on for that to happen. Yeah, and that's been the difference so far this season, is that these teams have been able to keep their position. So that's, yeah, in a sense it's good for them, but it's we've lost a little bit from the show, at least so far in these first three races. So hopefully we yeah. can get that back. Um, Behind a pool. <laughs> uh, right, I don't have anything else. Do you have anything you want to I have to one add? thing. Hit me. MotoGP. Argentinian race, round four of the championship on the verge of being cancelled before the season's even started. Oh, brilliant. Due to the government in the Argentinian region electing a new uh, prime minister, essentially, or a new governor, should I say, and then basically cutting the funding for the race because he has to make cutbacks. Ah. And the race fully relies on public funding because Dorna, who control MotoGP, have a $4 million um event hosting fee for the circuit that they have to pay and they don't have the money for it so that's one race down already not officially cancelled but the race race were reporting it on the verse yeah on the verge then so where does that leave then in terms of mogp and the races left so to speak probably 22 but they'll probably just added like a six spanish race so it's fine (laughs) they've got they've got like five spanish races it's bizarre it was in reserve waiting. <laughs> There's Jerez, Valencia, Aragon, uh, Barcelona. <laughs> That's the yeah, they're definite four that I know of. So <laughs> you could probably chuck another one in there somewhere. Madrid, lol. Ah, they'll, just, they'll, yeah. they'll find one. <laughs> they'll, they'll they won't put another one in now, but that opens up on the uh, brand new Qatar track. So in a couple. of Weeks uh, in a few weeks' time, so that'll be interesting. They'll get started in February. I think it's first week in March, but yeah. oh, okay, it's a few weeks. Yeah, well, it is a few weeks at this point. It's the twenty eighth as a recording of this, so yeah, January's done for the podcast. Yeah, yeah, very much so. By the way, the next Formula E race is in forty seven days and twenty hours. So <laughs> good stuff. Oh, I can't wait to watch that in Spanish. Yeah, yeah it should be fun. Uh, there will I be bet f- they're coming sides of F one, right? It'll be pretty close, I reckon, yeah. I mean, that'll take us to... Yeah. Oh, that definitely takes us into Australia. March. Where why, is... why have Why not just spread the Deary races out over the course of two weekends? Right? I don't know. The 16th of March I, I, I was, they're back on. I was at work on the Friday, and I was still watching... Because I've got nothing to do at work at the moment. I was still watching qualifying at 4 o'clock, and then the race was on at 8. I was like... I messaged you, and I was like, did you know the race was on at 8 tonight? I was like... You were like, yeah, but I was like, normally it's on on a Saturday and a Sunday, so I was quite surprised. Yeah, it was a strange one that they had. When they, when they do a double double header, anyway. Yeah, and like you know, the, with the London E Prix I'm going to later this year, like it's Saturday and Sunday. 
Yeah. I'm pretty sure. It's strange. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's just how they've managed that. This is probably just how they had to do it. Yeah, strange one. Uh, we do have something to look forward to next week, though. I say look forward to in quotes. Uh, Haas were the last team to announce their date for the livery launch. And it's the 2nd of February. So it's next Friday, I believe. Or this, yeah. fr- this Friday. So they'll be the first then to announce. And I think then after that, it's it it's all kicks fifth. off in the next week. Yeah, it'll be the Monday, won't it? Yeah, which is Williams and... Alpine? No, Steak. Mm. I think it's Steak. Yeah, because Red Bull are last, Mercedes are before Red Bull, Ferrari on the 13th. Yeah. yeah M- Mercedes we'll and McLaren on the same day on the 14th. Yeah, Ferrari on the 13th, Red Bull on the 15th. Yeah, it's going to be a busy week after that. It will be, so Haas will get started gently at least. Are you expecting anything ch- major changes in terms of a livery or at all? Or No, well, Kamazu basically said the car's going to be shit anyway, so. <laughs> well, he said eighth place is the target. Aiming high. Uh, I would, well, it'd be an improvement, wouldn't it? So. Yeah, I suppose it would be, yeah. I would guess that the car is uh, pretty identical to last year's car. I'm not expecting anything here, really. I'm expecting more Team America. I'm never, never in doubt. I'm never, never, uh, never out of the question, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's how it goes. So, I believe with that note, then, I believe that should do it for this week's edition of the Switchback Formula 1 podcast. I've been Graham. I have been Mitch Evans, race engineer. Why not? <laughs> Going to need to do some hard work I don't know the next why. 47 days. I don't know why that was... What's it? I've just seen on Twitter that the Rolex 24 hours was not completed in 24 hours. Yeah, okay, so the weird thing with this was they started waving the white flag when there was two laps to go, and then they waved the checker flag a lap early. It was very weird. 23 hours, 58 minutes and 24 seconds. It was really bizarre. I was watching, I was like, they've, they've fucked up somehow here. I've, I don't know how they managed it because they have the timer and then they changed the two laps to go once they knew then what the time was going to be and then they waved the flag a lap early. And then I think even Nasser kept going at race pace for the lap after they saw the checker flag just to be sure. <laughs> yeah, you got to be sure. And just, uh... So... Even though I think at that point, I know for those series, they just take it from when the flag was waved, if it was incorrect or not. They've done that at a few places like Canada in F1 and Nick Suzuka as well in 2019, which is a, a strange one that actually saved Sergio Perez's blushes because he crashed in the last lap, if you remember. And obviously, famously, when Max won the championship in Suzuka as well. Because oh, yeah. the, the clip of Max crossing the line and he's still going full bell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he got the spoon, he was like, then he came over the line and was like, that's it, it's race over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very strange. So well done on that side of things. Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll end this podcast better than we they finish that race at least. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we shall see you next week. Goodbye.